I love it when you get passionate. And by, by you, I, I do mean those listening, but I, I do love it when you get passionate about something, Jess. Don't, don't worry. Well, good. I'm, I'm glad. And, and yes, if it, those that are wondering, I have already made my own I Voted stickers and I will uh, be happy to send them out to anyone that replies to our Instagram page. See, uh, just I do. address and... Uh, <laughs> Send me your bank account details and I'll charge you $5. Oh, we're charging now. Okay, interesting. But you see, I do love it when you get passionate. Uh, but yesterday, I am talking about also, we asked you if pets should be banned from rentals. And 93% Jeez. said no. We're a pet-loving family here at Newsable. Bean can ride again. That is a strong Bean. majority if there ever was one. And Stephanie, who also got in touch to expand on her reasoning, she said that she would love there to be legislation on this because she's in a rental and she thinks that a fur baby of some sort would add so much to her well-being. So Aww. kia ora, Stephanie, and kia ora to you guys. This is Newsable. I'm Jess. And I'm Imogen, and this is what's worth talking about. No rise in the OCR, but no sign of it dropping anytime soon either. We'll dig into the latest comments by the Reserve Bank. You wait years for a World Cup, and then two come along at once. The Black Caps begin their World Cup journey in India tonight. Speaking of India, it's sending a bunch of Canadian diplomats back home as relations between the two countries show no sign of improvement. And guess who chose this segment? It's Fat Beer Week and it's time to pay homage. It is time to pay homage. We've got all that coming up in a moment here on Newsable. Newsable takes time and resources to produce. Please support our mahi and visit stuff.co.nz support. So mixed news from the Reserve Bank. On the one hand, the official cash rate stayed steady at 5.5%. But on the other hand, it was made very clear any cuts to that rate are a long way off. So for those that are struggling with their mortgage repayments, that's going to be pretty grim news to hear. So to tell us a bit more about the latest Reserve Bank announcement, what it means for us all, we're joined by Mary Jo Vergara, an economist from Kiwi Bank. Kia ora, Mary. Thank you so much for joining us on Usable. Kia ora, thanks for having me. Now, was this expected in terms of the Reserve Bank message? It was, it was. We were expecting them to hold the cash rate at 5.50 and they did just that. And we were expecting them to have this message of higher for longer rates. Um, It's the same message that we've heard from overseas, um, just the fact that they need to keep rates at restrictive levels um, because at the end of the day, um, their main objective is to get inflation back to target and higher rates are needed for them to achieve that. And of course, everyone will be thinking, what are the implications then for further interest rate rises? What do you make of that? Well, we don't think that the Reserve Bank will need to hike uh, rates anymore this year. Um, We've already seen, yes, there are upside risks to inflation, especially with oil prices rising. But there are also downside risks already emerging, particularly over the near ter- over the medium term. So you've got an economy that's obviously slowing down. Um, households are pulling back on their spending. Um, businesses are thinking about downsizing their workforces. And if you look overseas, um, it's not a very pretty picture either. Um, China's economy is stalling. So all of that does put downward pressure on, on inflation. So I think that the Reserve Bank can just sort of sit here and wait and see how the data unfolds, which we think will be pretty grim, but that is the, the that is the intention. They need the economy to slow down. Do we know at all about how this is actually affecting people, especially those with mortgages? Are we starting to see more defaults than before? 
Yeah, it's still pretty low. That's just because of how strong our labour market is. People still have their jobs. Unemployment is still at historically low levels. So people are still holding on um, for now. But we are starting to see that they're changing the way that they behave in terms of spending. They're not spending on the big ticket items anymore. They're kind of just sticking to those essential goods. And that is monetary policy at work, changing people's behaviours and spending patterns. What is the impact then on the wider economy, if that's the mindset of, of people? I think we're expecting the slowdown in the coming quarters. So with households pulling back on spending, we're actually already seeing that businesses are more concerned about that demand, whether there's demand out there for the things that they produce and things that they sell. And so for those that might be waiting for those rates to drop and have their own kind of mortgage fixing on the horizon, it's not likely to go up, especially until the end of the year, but when's it likely to come down? We're expecting um, the reserve banks to start cutting rates sort of early next year. I think they'll be in a position where they can start cutting rates. I think the economy will be much softer than it is today. The labour market will be much looser than it is today. So unemployment um, starting to rise and inflation hopefully is headed towards that one to 3% target band that the Reserve Bank has. So all of that together, I think, should see the Reserve Bank potentially among the first central banks in the world to actually start easing monetary policy and bring it back down to more neutral levels. How are we going to see commercial banks respond to this as well? Do we imagine they'll start lifting rates? Yeah, it all depends on what's happening offshore. We've seen offshore um, rates rise, and that might have been one of the drivers for why we've seen mortgage rates rise. So even though the Reserve Bank holds rates where they are now, we are still affected by what's happening offshore. Um, so that's why we've seen a bit more movement um, in, in mortgage rates now. But it is just, you know, it's such a volatile period. Mary Jo Vergara from Kiwi Bank, thank you very much for unpacking that all with us. No worries. Thanks for having me. We're trying something new this week because Fun Fact Friday is no longer. It's fine. Instead, we would like to introduce you to Is It Cake? Headline edition. Each week we'll give you two headlines. One will be real, one will be fake. You pick which one you think is legit by voting on our Instagram poll. So head there right now, check it out and play this first ever edition of Is It Cake? Find us by searching Newsable NZ. Because you can't have enough World Cups, the Cricket World Cup starts tonight in India with a match between New Zealand and England. It is a replay of that last Cricket World Cup final and that excruciating super over. Let's not dwell on it. In fact, I'm just going to apologise for even bringing it up. But we were chatting to ex-All Black and Sky commentator Jeff Wilson for a bonus episode on the Rugby World Cup. That drops later this morning. Make sure you check it out. But then I thought, Jeff's also a former Black Cat. So I'll chuck him a question or two. Jeff, how do you think tonight's match is going to go? Um, better than the half volleys I probably bowled for <laughs> Australia. And the crazy thing about um, international cricket at the moment is almost there's a lot of it. And, you know, it's great to get to a tournament that has great mm. meaning. Um, it obviously was incredibly frustrating, disappointing for us the last time around because when you get that close, incredible. It was mm. crazy, right? Um, this is the opening you know, when you're talking about the first game of a tournament, how do I think it's going to go? There's some massive scores in one-day cricket now. I mean, that's that's the crazy thing. I mean, this is what I think the flow-on effect of T20 cricket has done, is that batsmen go out there and they're so much more aggressive and all of a sudden, you know, you're there getting targets, you know, that are unheard of, you know, 350, 400. But they're not World Cup games. Mm. You know, they're in other competitions. You know, they're in series and there's sort of less meaning, clearly. So all of a sudden you get to this type of contact um, game and, and 
I think there's a um, a different attitude, different mindset going into these games and the Black Caps. This is their opportunity mm. to make a statement, massively great statement. And um, you know, the, the one thing is that we know this rivalry with England is so good. I do like you know where our team is going into this game as an underdog, and the Black Caps and and this group, you know, they 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 could take this opportunity and all of a sudden, I suppose, just put themselves back on the radar a bit like the All Blacks did a week ago, right? Mm. Let's just put and remind everyone how dangerous they can be. Yeah, because what sort of form are the Black Caps in at the Mo? Look, I think they'd say they're a side that in all forms of the game has been a little bit inconsistent. And I think a lot of that falls when um, their skipper and captain, Kane Williamson, hasn't been available through injury, right? So when your very best player, actually, uh, if you look at his statistics and records, probably our greatest batsman ever. And he's been our captain over so many forms for a long period of time. That's sort of been, I think, that, that inconsistent uh, side. And, and you you need a lot of world-class players and what they have done over, I think, over um, in recent times anyway, is that they've had to introduce and bring in some new players and get them some experience. So it's a matter of, I think, a number of these players, you know, stepping up in the biggest stage, in the biggest games to do it. Can you imagine a world in which we win both the Cricket World Cup and the Rugby World Cup? That's a couple of really big late nights. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So you'd rather not? Is that what you're saying? No. Sleep I'm, schedule says no. I'm all in for that. I might go and check out the odds and multi those up and see what we get to. What do you reckon? <laughs> Is there a world? It's possible. It's absolutely possible. Jeff Wilson, always delightful to chat. New Zealand sporting legend, really. Uh, I don't feel it this morning. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you for joining us. <laughs> And, of course, staff will be live blogging the Black Caps matches throughout the Cricket World Cup. Kia ora Aotearoa and welcome to the Big Stuff Quiz. I'm your host, Imogen Wells, alongside my assistant, the wonderful Chris Reid. Hello, everyone. Each week, we'll release a new episode to test your wits with two rounds of ten questions. One potluck round and another that's very loosely themed. A bit tangential, even. Such a good word. If you think you're up for the challenge, go and follow our show on your favourite podcast platform, The Big Stuff Quiz, is out now. The Big Stuff Quiz is proudly brought to you by Melbourne. Every bit different. All right, coming up on the show, we have Fat Beer Week. Now, Imogen has admitted this has been a personal campaign of hers to get this on the show since she first found out about it in COVID 2020 lockdown time. So please stay tuned, if not just for Imogen's sake. Now, if you are enjoying what you're hearing, chuck us a like and follow us on your favourite podcast platform. It'll help other people find us. Time to talk international friction, namely Canada v. India. Now, we did talk about this on Newsable a few weeks ago when Justin Trudeau stood up in Canada's parliament and aired suspicions that India had carried out a state-sponsored assassination of a Sikh leader. But the tension between the situation is escalating. Just remind us what went down. All right. So I'm going to start by going over a bit of old ground that you covered last night, Momo, because this is a tale of a lot of twists and turns. So this Sikh leader who was killed is called Hardeep Singh Najir, and he had long campaigned for a separate state for Sikhs in India. So it would incorporate the Indian state of Punjab and other areas in northern India and establish this Sikh nation. Now, Najir had been declared a terrorist by India back in 2020. He was living in Canada as a Canadian citizen. And he was reportedly organising an unofficial referendum in India over an independent Sikh nation at the time of his death. 
So what's happened since we touched on this topic, since Trudeau's accusation in the Canadian Parliament? Well, both countries have kind of gone tit for tat in terms of their retaliation. So Canada threw out India's top intelligence officer in their country, and then India expelled his, essentially his Canadian equivalent from India, and then India stopped issuing new visas for Canadian nationals, which was quite a big step. Wow. That was about two weeks ago. And then in the last few days, India has told Canada it must repatriate 41 of its diplomats. It's about two-thirds of all the officials that Canada had in India. Uh, but the Indian Ministry of External Affairs is actually declined to comments to the media about why they've done that. Things are obviously very tense. Do we have any sense of where we might see this end up in the next days, weeks? Well, for his part, Justin Trudeau, he says Canada is not looking to escalate its situation with India and that they will continue to engage responsibly and constructively. Those were his words. So the ball appears kind of to be in India's court now about whether they keep escalating the situation and pushing more and more Canadian diplomats out of their country or whether this just goes quiet for a bit. But the thing that kind of makes this all a bit trickier is the fact that so many Western nations now are looking to build diplomatic ties with India as a way to kind of counterbalance, counterweight the Chinese influence in Asia. So Trudeau's decision to kind of pick this fight with India, even if it has very legitimate grounds, could have long-term impacts and long-term repercussions for Canada's foreign policy going forward. Foreign affairs. So, welcome to Imogen's Christmas, everybody. It is Fat Bear Week. It has begun. The polls are open, the live streams are streaming, and the chonky bears are feeding. I am very pleased to be able to make that announcement, because if you remember last week, producer Philippa mentioned the potential government shutdown in the States, which would have led to Fat Bear Week essentially being cancelled because it's a national park. But the shutdown was averted, and Fat Bear Week has survived. So here to talk all things rotund is Felicia Jimenez from Katmai National Park in Alaska the home of Fat Bear Week. Welcome to Newsable. Hi, thank you for having me. Felicia, for those who still may be unfamiliar with Fat Bear Week, even though I believe I have managed to wedge it into as many episodes as possible, where and why did all of this start? (laughs) Uh, Well, Fat Bear Week is a celebration of success and survival. It is a way to celebrate the success, the Um, adaptability and resilience of Katmai's brown bears. Um, It manifests as a tournament-style bracket in which we (laughs) pit bears in head-to-head matches to determine um, who is the biggest bear and the public gets to vote on it. And this is as they get ready for hibernation season, right? Yeah, at this time of year, um, it's, you know, gearing up towards fall. The bears have entered this state called hyperphagia. And it's essentially a state where the hormones that tell, you know, a bear, hey, I'm full stop eating, don't turn on. So bears um, are in this state where they're really, really hungry and they're trying to gain as much weight as possible before hibernation. And how much weight are we talking? Like how big are these bad boys getting? Um, They're getting pretty big. Um, In, you know, hibernation, a bear can lose up to one third of their body weight. Um, So, you know, if we're talking about an average male brown bear, uh, they may weigh, you know, anywhere between um, seven and nine hundred pounds coming out of the den. Um, 
you know, in the spring after they emerge and after a full season of eating and eating, once they return to the den, um, they can get up to, you know, a thousand, twelve hundred pounds. That is roughly 550 kilograms. <laughs> what? <laughs> okay, so big, 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 big chunkers. How many bears do you have at Katmai? Um, well, Katmai itself is a really huge park. Um, it's going to be a little over 4 million acres, so wow. it's, it's really big. Um, and spread out over those 4 million acres are an estimated about 2,000 brown bears um, throughout that area. And the brilliant thing about Katmai National Park and Fat Bear Week, of course, are your live streaming cameras. And that essentially is also the best and safest way to look at bears, isn't it? Remotely, while they do look chunky and they look cuddly, they're not really, are they? I mean, they're definitely wild animals. Um, you can visit the park in person, and when you visit, um, there are a lot of you know safety rules that come into place. Um, but for most people that visit Katmai, they're visiting virtually through these live streaming cameras. And are you willing to put your support behind one of the bears in the running for Fat Bear Week this week? <laughs> um, I, I mean... Like, <laughs> rangers definitely have their favorite. <laughs> um, I mean, you know, all the bears are winners, first off, and they don't know this competition <laughs> is happening. But um, there are some really good-looking bears in this competition. Um, we have 32 Chunk, who, in my opinion, is probably the biggest bear on Brooks River right now. Wow. Um, and, but it's a good year for the girls. Um, 128 Grazer is looking great, and so is 435 Holly. <laughs> Oh gosh, I just, I, this is just the best time of year. Felicia Jimenez, thank you so much for your time. And PSA to everyone who hasn't already, go and check those live streams out. They are mesmerizing and amazing and always, it seems, beer filled. Explore.org is where you can find them. Felicia isn't even paying me to say that. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for having me. Have you visited? Jessica McCarthy, explore.org, to look at these live cameras. Oh, it was like the first thing you did to me as soon as yes, I joined the was. team was just like check out these links. And if you were wondering where that kind of two hours you couldn't contact me. Ah, today, it makes sense. <laughs> looking at my new beer friends. It makes sense. I've got one of the live stream cams up on my feed right now. It's a Cat's River View. And there's just this real chonky chonk sitting in the middle of the river just looking around. They have such a nice life, don't they? <gasps> I think there's a baby swimming. No, Honestly. no. There's a baby swimming. Cat's okay. River, quick, get to it now. Well, let's, let's finish this podcast so that I can quickly go and look at it. <laughs> uh, that is Newsable for today. Make sure you go check it out. The bear is standing up now. Explore.org. I'm Imogen Wells. I'm Jess McCarthy. Thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you tomorrow. Newsable. News that's worth talking about. If you liked it and reckon it's also worth supporting, please make a contribution at stuff.co.nz slash support. I'm Tova O'Brien and this week on the Tova podcast from Stuff, an interview with Prime Minister Christopher Luxon. We met at Central District's Field Days to talk tax, police pay, Ruby Tui and his political value judgments. Oh, and we heard his verdict on the conversation too. Not that he meant us to. All that plus the winners and losers of the week with Andrea Vance, Luke Malpass at the Labour Party caucus retreat and your feedback. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Kakite.